It's TX Water Polo Podcast. I'm James Smith in Austin, Texas. That is Joe Linehan in Austin, uh, in San Antonio, although you're heading up here yet again on Friday in, to my territory. Um, there's uh, We're in the midst of the high school season. Joe and I, of course, just finished our 30 minutes of vamping about what's going on throughout the state, and now we get to share it with you. So um, we have uh, the high school season, man. It is just a flurry. Like, Just think about how much... We talked about high school stuff in the past, Joe, as opposed to now. And it sort of speaks to the point that I made last week. It's just there's just so much going on right now all over the state. And we can go over the top five teams, but we also wanted to just sort of take a bit of a tour over the state of Texas to see what's going on as far as high school. I mean, there's I mean, there's you know, there's water polo being played in the Rio Grande Valley. There's yeah, in San Antonio, Austin, obviously throughout Houston area and also from and throughout the North Texas area. Now there still needs to be some water polo that needs to be grown a little bit in those areas kind of in between, you know, like Corpus and like East Texas and West Texas and El Paso and stuff like that. But it's growing. It's like, like the seeds are there. It, yeah, people, people want to play. And, um, and it's, and, and, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, like, I mean, this high school season is extremely unique, very much, much different than this very. past spring. Oh, man. And I say that just because, you know, there wasn't a long runway for people to kind of, kind of organize and get their schedules together. And, um, you know, and there's like, I believe it's like a, what a 24 or 27 game limit that people can play games. Um, and there's a lot of people that might only be playing 10, 10 to 15 games this year. Um, it's just that, you know, they only had basically like the April, May or, or maybe even June, July to, to get their schedules. Yep. And I think people are learning where and when they, they can play games and kind of, kind of how they can schedule and people are going to be able to, to maximize it a little bit more in 2023 and probably even more in 2024. And I, and I'm, uh, and I'm really excited about the different schools that, are playing a little bit right now and are looking to play in 23 and yeah, and looking to add in, yeah, in, yeah, in 2023 and 2024 and beyond. It's, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's, um, meeting a lot of new coaches out there that are new that they might have been hired in, yeah, in May, June for this position. And, um, and, and, and it's a lot of fun going out there to kind of, you know, either work with some athletes or, um, or even just kind of, kind of simply show them how to use their time equipment yeah. and kind of teach the parents on kind of how to work the table. And they're very like, uh, like everyone's very appreciative. And I've talking on the phone pretty much every day. I talk to somebody different and like an, an athletic director, a new coach teams that are looking to add next year. And it's, and it's, this is just the beginning. I know we've had we yeah we've been playing high school water polo in Texas for fifty plus years. This is the first season of like of the UIL, and I know I've told up uh, and I've told this audience before. You know, we're going to start with kind of kind of whatever numbers we have, and we're going to add more next year, more after that, and we're going to be using that softball model. That is, you know, they they had about one hundred and fifty schools that yeah yeah that played in the middle of the nineteen nineties. They have almost five hundred schools that are playing yeah. statewide now. Yeah. We just want to keep adding and keep adding and keep adding. And make it something like, oh, every team does have a water polo team. I've said it before. This this season's a bit of a mess. I mean, that's okay. It's going to be that way. It's messy. It's people are trying to figure this stuff out. And yes, I have faith that next uh, fall that we're going to see some more teams. There's a conversation to be had, Joe, that I'm genuinely curious about, which is, um, and we don't have to have it now. It's just something I'm curious about, which is, what are the impediments to 
to water polo starting in, say, Santa, um, Santa, geez, I almost said Santa Fe, El Paso, the Permian, you know, these places that, uh, that have an athletic tradition, but not necessarily with aquatics. And it's, it is, it's hopeful to have seen it grow in the Valley and we'll get in there. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but I, I am absolutely fascinated by what it's going to take in order to get that, get it up and running in, in, in East Texas, a place I don't know anything about, I'll be honest, uh, places like that, but it, it is coming. And I, I'm just well, curious. What it's that's already, it's already like. a little bit in East Texas. There's that there's teams from Texarkana. There's teams from Forney. There's teams from, um, yeah, from Tyler that are currently playing that are in some different, uh, districts up in the, uh, up and up in region one. So, I mean, those teams are starting. They are very, very brave over there because they have to travel for a lot yeah, of their games. And that's, okay. and, that, and that's part of the challenge right now. So the key for it to really grow and, and, yeah, and get better and get bigger is to get a group of teams playing. Like, you know, yeah, if we go one. up to Lubbock, let's just take kind of Lubbock as an example. You know, there's a number of, there's X, yeah, there's X number of high schools, you know, and uh, in most of the districts out there right now have five or six different schools. Yeah. The other playing. let's get at least four or five high schools that all start at the same time yeah. and play. And therefore, they can play locally. And then, if they want to go for some preseason tournaments and stuff like that, they can go to North Texas. They can come down to San Antonio. They can go over to Austin and play on a couple weekends. Teams can go up and yeah, and play them, and they can host their own tournament. But then they have a whole group of teams that they can play for districts. They're Tuesday and yeah, in yeah, in Friday night games, just like volleyball and just like basketball. And therefore, they don't have to travel for those games. Right. I don't think people mind traveling for tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah. It's going to be traveling for their district games. And that's, and and that's, and that's the challenge. And I mean, and that's the same challenge that you have in adding and and like, in like adding the NCAA water polo teams, right? Yeah. You know, you can't like Austin college is an anomaly. They got added and there's nobody really close to them that also plays. It's going to be one of those things where, um, you know, you want to add teams that, you know that that you don't have to travel on a regular basis to play, so and that's and that's the challenge. But again, it's just a challenge. There and, and there's going to be various hurdles and yeah, in kind of various kind of kind of brick walls to you, you got to teams that are currently playing. But I think most of the teams that are currently playing are having a good time. Yeah, they're having a positive season, and 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 I think that the parents are rallying around, the coaches are rallying, the kids are playing well, and they're and they're loving that opportunity kind of to play and it's just it's it's a credit to you know the coaches there's been a ton of hard work across the state and kind of kudos to all those coaches and all those athletes um and all and and also the athletic directors that put in a lot of time and effort into making this happen as well yeah they (laughs) it's like i mentioned before you know i haven't heard anybody complaining about how the swim season hadn't started yet although for some it has you know and but that to me is just an indicator of just how quickly water polo has been largely adopted by the sort of high school athletic community. It's just that I was expecting there to be more resistance and there just hasn't as far as I can see, maybe I'm wrong about that, but it has been amazing. Like I, I just could thought I would hear stories that were basically, yeah, we'd feel the team, but you know, we don't have enough cause the swim season already started and so on and so forth. It, it's been, I I've been, probably more surprised than I should have been, but I have been well, surprised. Well, I mean, there's always, again, there's going to be like, like the various challenges, but 
it's not, it's not, I don't think there's anybody, there's not been a whole lot of pushback from the swimming coaches community at all. Um, it's no, more but just you like, know, you know, you know that there was, there were sort of rumors that was going to happen. Like, sure, oh, they'll but, never let this happen. You know, that but kind it's, of thing. but it's, but it's just been more of, as far as kind of logistics and hiring coaches and yes. budgets and timing. Yep. It's just timing. People want to do it. And they, they just may not have been ready. And of course, and I'm not using this as the excuse, but you know, COVID did kind of throw a wrench in some people's plans. And that might've pushed off teams that might've been kind of looking at in 21 or, or like, or 22, we're going to add in 23 or 24. So, um, and you know, the water pole community is out here to help. Coaches are, are like kind of, kind of out, are, are out here to help. There's plenty of people here to help. Yep. So if y'all are listening to this, and y'all are thinking about playing or y'all need help, just please reach out. We are, we are, we are here to help out. So. Yep. Um, including uh, coaches, new coaches. And um, I, I, I just spoke to somebody about that because there's a team, I think there's a team that they're trying to ramp up at Vista Ridge up in my area. And I'm speaking to one of my kid's parents who's a, you know, a coach there. And I said, listen, listen, whoever's coaching that team, just let them know they can come to our practice anytime they want. And they can stand right next to me or another coach and just learn stuff on the fly. So um, I, I think that's an open invitation. That is an open invitation to anybody to do that. And I hope other clubs are doing the same thing. Um, and now on to the top teams in the state. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Speaking of which, um, right. So the rankings have not changed since last week. Let's do them again. Um, on the boys' side, Brazoswood, Highland Park, Car- uh, Southlake Carroll, Strake Jesuit, and Dawson. Um, on the girls' side, Foster, Flower Mound, Southlake Carroll, Side Creek, and Brandeis. Brandeis is, um, you know, Brandeis is going to be good. <laughs> so this is what you've been telling me, right? Um, and they may come out of that region. Um, it's, uh, it's a very cool story, actually, because well, I mean, they used to be good back in the day. I mean, there's there's lots of teams that aren't in this top five that are yeah. very competitive and they could easily uh, make it to the state championship and even win the state championship. I mean, you have the Harlingen teams down in the Rio Grande Valley. I, I think they're doing very well on both the boys and the girls side. Nice. Um, up, up, up in San Antonio. It's not just Brandeis girls. There's also the Alma Heights girls, the Brennan girls. Um, there's a ton of, and the O'Connor girls, there's a ton of, of kind of, kind of, kind of very good girls teams out there on the boys side, you know, there, yeah, there are no top teams from, there are no top five teams from San Antonio, but you got Bernie champion who is probably the top team kind of right now in, in the San Antonio area. And then you got Clark, you have, you have Brandeis boys, you have the Alma Heights boys. They're all kind of beating. Yeah. They're all kind of beating kind of, kind of each other right now. Um, you can speak on the on the Austin teams. Well, the the Austin teams are right now, from what I've seen, the Round Rock boys and girls, um, and the Austin boys are going to be good. They are, it's a very small team, um, but they have some talent on that side. McCallum on the boys side should be okay. Um, once I I would like to see Cedar Ridge play. Haven't watched the girls yet. They've always offered a you know good competition to Round Rock, but those are the those are the teams that I've seen so far that have uh, I, I've noticed. I'll put it that way. Yeah, and and and, yeah, and then from Houston, you know, on on like just on the boys' side here. I mean, obviously, I think the Side Creek boys are going to be good. Um, you're going to have some uh, like kind of kind of some additional teams, especially from the Clear Creek area. I I just don't know is it's like the Clear Creek kind of kind of kind of ISD. I don't know who's going to come out of there. Brazoswood um, girls. Yeah, the Brazoswood girls are going to be strong. Yeah. You got yeah, like you got Saint Agnes, who's yeah, who's going to be there. 
um, although they're not a UIL team, but like it's, I mean, like they've always been, yeah, they always get better and better a, 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 as they go up, like up in North Texas, you know, teams that aren't necessarily kind of listed here, you know, on the girls side, you got, yeah, like you got, a, I, I, I think the Highland Park girls, the Marcus girls, you got the, you got the Hebron girls. They're all kind of strong. They're all, yeah, they're all kind of playing each other in kind of close games. And then on the boys side, I think you got, um, you know, the Marcus boys, right? Yeah, that's that's um, the team that, you know, that nothing wrong with the top five listings that we have, but you you look at it and you're yeah. like, oh yeah, where's Marcus? Like they're they're in that conversation yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is most definitely. I mean, and again, there's a ton of teams. And if we did not mention your team, I'm sorry. We apologize. Well, we can't name all okay. of them, Joe. Um, I guess we could. You know, we know there's a there's a ton of teams that you know that we may not have mentioned that they're going to surprise and kind of make a little Cinderella run. And that's great. We want to wish everybody good luck, especially as they get into their district play here. Um, but yeah, this is this is this is this is this has been a this has been a it's been a fun season so far. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here in September. It's been taxing. Like again, you're you and I are going to see each other in Round Rock on Friday. Yeah, Friday morning. There's at least six games that day, and then maybe some on Saturday as well. You're flying. I say flying. You're driving all over the place. Like you're going to be there. You're going to be over at the new pool at Eanes and Austin. It's um, it is a busy, busy season. More for you than for me, but still busy. Oh, it's busy for a lot of people. So. Yeah, yeah. But we're the only ones on this podcast, except for Mark Lawrence, who's coming up here in a moment. Um, let's do players of the week. Um, the uh, thank you again for everybody for voting, and there have been lots of votes. Boys, player of the week is Jake. I'm gonna I'm gonna pronounce this Foudy, and uh, if I get that wrong, I hope somebody will correct me. F O U G H T Y, Jake Foudy from, and I always call it Hebron. It's Hebron, right? It's Hebron. It is Hebron. God darn it, man! I'll get that right. Jake Foudy, four goals, eight exclusions, four assists versus Prosper on the girls' side. Lola Trujillo from Foster. She she killed it. Twenty five goals over the weekend at the Crusader Classic. Um, this is a that's a standout. <laughs> that's a standout performance over the weekend. So congratulations to Jake Foudy, Lola Trujillo. They are the TX Water Polo Players of the Week. Please, and more and more submissions. More That'd be great. and more. Absolutely right. Um, uh, okay, a couple of – we we went into detail last week about ODP, and then it turns out that since our conversation, things have changed just a tiny bit even more so. And and also we can maybe explain. I, I got an email from a parent who – who sent me the um, email from USA Water Polo explaining what the ODP season was going to be like. And I think she said something like, wow, this is crazy, meaning that there's just way more clinics or what we used to call camps or clinics than there have been in the past. And there's a reason for that. Yeah, the reason, I mean, last year, like, or in past years, we've always had three camps. But specifically in the fall of 21, we sold out of those camps very, very quickly. Super fast. And that was a camp that was that that was one camp for all athletes in all age groups together, and we sold out uh, too quickly actually. So, yeah. what we wanted to do is we wanted to spread it out a little bit. We we uh, we wanted to make it so it's more um, like kind of age group specific. Right, that's even better. Um, and make sure that the coaches are going to be able to be there. It's a little bit less taxing on the coaches. Because they're because now they're going to be going and kind of working with their kids twice instead of going three times and and not knowing kind of what they're going to get. Yeah. So and but I believe there's plenty of options for the various kids for those that weren't that didn't listen last week on September 25th. There's 
three camps. There's there's a kind of one for youth and yeah, and one for cadet and one for development in each of the three major areas. And then we're doing the same thing on October 23rd. So those camps are all kind of kind of online now, and the and the processes kind of are open. The one major change since we last kind of did this was they did update the born in years and to define the various kind of age groups. Right. Youth is now it's it's 2004 seniors. There is no all star. It's 2004 seniors. And then, and then born in 2005 and 2006. So, if you're graduated kind of from high school, you're not you're you're not allowed to play. Okay. Um, then it then cadet is 2007, 2008, and then development is 2009, 2010, and 2011. Yeah. So those are the updated age groups. So, um, so yeah, just please please make sure you kind of sign up for, for the proper camps. And if you already signed up for camp and things changed a little bit, just please go, yeah, go ahead and email like the ODP at usawaterpolo.org. There you go. Um, yeah, and this is all, that's the bottom line, to accommodate the demand for this program. That is a good thing to have. My last couple of years with ODP, we had one clinic up at Louisville. It was over 100 kids. It was just too much, just too much. And so managing that process and dividing up the athletes by age group is a, oh, just probably, a great and by idea. Way, this is kind of how they do it in California. Yeah, this is we. It really does resemble that more and more. You know, they, they, it was funny because when we br- would bring coaches here to do ODP, they were they weren't mystified. Obviously, they're f- flexible and all of that. But it's like, wow, we've got every single age group. You know, boys, girls, uh, all together in the same place. So it was. It took a. It took a different level of management, and now we're at a point where we don't need to do that, which is fantastic. So good news. Okay, um, Austin College heads off to nor- the Northeast. Um, probably tomorrow. Um, I'm, in fact, I'm going to talk to Mark Lawrence here in just a moment. But they head off to the Bruno Invite, which is one of the season opening NCAA tournaments. Um, it's at Brown. That pool's really nice. I've never been, but man, does it look good on TV. Um, so Austin College plays Brown, Connecticut College, Air Force, Harvard, and MIT. This is a, we've talked to Mark in the past about this. He likes to open the season with some challenges. And so he's given himself some with this uh, tournament because that's going to be. You know, MIT made the Division Three championships last year. Harvard and Brown are quite good. Air Force is, uh, who knows, actually. Air Force, it's always a mystery with Air Force. And Connecticut College should be a game that they can manage, but we will see, right? Oh, oh it's going to be great. And kind of good luck to Mark Lawrence and all of his guys that are that are going to be traveling up there. Um, I think that they'll be competitive in, in each and every one of those games. I do, too. I think that the, uh, I think Harvard is very strong, but... You know, they, this is, you know, this, they're coming off a season where they went eight and nine overall, but eight and two against Division three opponents. And so this is, and, and it's a reminder that, you know, when they first started, they went one and 15. And as we talked about last week, this is their fifth year. So it's, they've, they've already cycled through a recruiting class, you know? Um, so this is going to be a, this is a new team, man. It's going to be very interesting to watch. And uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm not going to actually see them in person. They host a tournament in Sherman the weekend following this one, um, this coming weekend. But uh, I'm not going to be there. But I'm uh, looking forward to seeing, hopefully, games streamed. And then we can see how uh, Texas's only varsity water polo team does. And I don't know if they actually stream these. You can go to the, the Brown website. To, ESPN. You got to find out. But I know a lot of the Ivy Leagues have been, been on ESPN+. Plus. Yeah. So. Yep. And it looks pretty good. I think you have to have. So if you have nothing else to do this Labor Day weekend, 
go stream some college water polo games because this is the weekend that it starts throughout the country. Yeah. Oh my God. They, they have really increased the amount that's available. That's for sure. You can watch a lot and there's a lot of tournaments coming up. Okay. Um, we will be right back with my conversation with Mark Lawrence in just a moment. Hi, this is Natalie Benson, and you are listening to a podcast about water polo in Texas. It's Mark Lawrence. He is the head coach of the Austin College Kangaroos, um, and he has some company today. But we're going to talk to him anyway. Who, who do we have aside from you on, on the line here, uh, Mark? Yeah, morning, James. So on my lap, currently giggling with a bottle in his mouth, is my three-month-old son, Kellen. So he'll be joining us today. <laughs> if you are, if you're against listening to the cooing of a small child, this is not at the interview for yeah. you. But whatever, we're going to cover the upcoming season. Yeah, absolutely. And then next to us is um, Monty, who's been a guest appearance on the show, <laughs> and we're just praying that he doesn't wake up. So. Yeah, most popular guest we've ever had, no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah, um, great. Um, we don't have a ton of time, but you are heading off to Brown for their uh, season opener for the men's team in uh, on Friday. Um, you have uh, you, you've uh, you've done the usual. You've set yourself up at the beginning of the season with some challenging matches: Brown, Air Force, Harvard, MIT playing con college too they're probably a manageable team but again setting yourself up with some pretty serious competition to begin the season give us your sort of overview of this you know you've gone through a complete recruiting cycle so you got a bunch of new kids what what are your expectations this coming weekend yeah so uh for this weekend we're really excited you know um we did things a little bit different when our with our preseason fall camp practices this year um our strategies in building our program have changed a tiny bit uh which we think is for the better. Um, and not that where we were, where we were was bad. You know, you just learn through the process. So like uh, the two big changes we have is we're trying to carry a little bit smaller roster. So that way opportunity for development is more accessible to the entire roster, whether someone's young or someone's ready to perform uh, regardless of what their role is. And then the second thing is that this year we weren't really in a race to get into shape for this weekend as, as we were in the past. Yeah. I feel like in the past our roster was so big. We would, grind so hard and go to compete with the best healthy bodies we had if guys came in um, out of shape or whatnot and, and this year we focused way more on on uh teaching teaching and um whether it's fundamentals or or six on six um and less on the cardio aspect so we'll we'll be in in good enough shape to compete at the highest level possible for where we're at in the season this weekend um but it just wasn't our focal point like in years past so uh, what that means is that we'll, you know, we'll go deeper on our rotation in the games. Um, more guys will get in. More guys will be asked to uh, uh, contribute at a higher level um, for that reason. But it also helps us as we talk about, you know, building throughout the season. Maybe not peaking so early in the season and keeping like a steady build throughout, you know, towards towards championships and you know three months down the road. So. So smaller roster, um, your what? What's your travel roster number that you can take with you this weekend? 
Yeah, so we're taking 18 guys. So one of the theme, positive things that came out of last year, well, uh, many positive things, but one of the big positive things was that the MPSF changed their travel, their championship roster size from 16 to 18. Mm. So now we're traveling 18 players uh, versus 16. You know, the travel roster is awesome. It, it creates a competitive environment, and I love it. Um, this year, we, we have 18, or we have 19 guys. Um, we have a, one walk-on who's developing for the future, but we have 18 guys who are ready to perform. So this year is going to be unique where our entire roster is going to travel and going to, going to compete and going to develop um, every single weekend, which is really exciting. So, Fantastic. Um, give us a little outline of like who are your newcomers and who are the ones that you're sort of going to be leaning on as your leadership uh, for this coming season. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll answer your second one first. Uh, I think that's the easier one. So, you know, we, we, we graduated a lot of guys. We graduated yeah. uh, 11 guys, 65% of our roster. But we do return, you know, I think it depends on who you'd ask. But I would say, you know, if we're looking at our top 10, top 10 um, not best players, but like performers last year for the roles that they were in, we're returning seven or eight of those guys. And um, which isn't a slight against the graduating class. We were just really deep last year. So we, 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 we bring back nine guys uh, who are very uh, reliable field players. And we bring back our, our two goalies from last year who had tremendous seasons. Um, so we're really excited. So we have guys who lean the way like Nick Holzer, Max Wade, Alan Rosenberg in the, in the cage. Um, guys, you know, when they were younger who were role players who were stepping into like more, uh, I, I don't want to say star, but more leadership roles. Yeah. Ed Griffith in center, Zach Griffith in, in the cage um uh dylan, dylan mcarthur and then we have a couple seniors who got hurt along their way who are have just been getting healthy developing and ready to go this year with like dylan levenshire and james mertz so we're really excited for what our returning group is and then our freshman class is great um uh, we're really excited about it you know um we'll see how they develop over their four years but as a collective group this might be the deepest group that we brought in so far uh, we think we have seven guys in this class. Well, the class is seven, and we think all seven guys, when, by the time they graduate, are going to be excellent uh, 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 contributors to this program in, in some role, right? I think this weekend you're going to see five of them perform extremely well, and um, it's really, really uh, 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 exciting. So in no specific order, but some of those guys are like Aiden Wade, Max's little brother from Flower Mound. Yep. He's had a ball camp. Uh, he's kind of shocked shocked everyone, players, coaches, with his <laughs> ability to, to perform the skill sets that we've asked him to. Mm -hmm. um, I think a couple other guys have done great. Uh, Nick Ruggiero is a center defender from Orange County. Jack Stack is a right-handed attacker from, from Concord, California, played for CCU. Uh, you know, Gabriel Daniels is from San Diego and Odin. So we have a, a, a handful of guys who are coming in um, who we think will contribute right away. You know, we have a freshman goalie, Liam, who's done great. Ryan Levenshire is a little brother who's done great, especially on, on a, a, a defense. You know, then we have a couple guys we're developing for the future who are awesome culture kids. Um, so we're overall, we're, we're, we're really excited. So uh, are any of the freshmen going to be an All-American this year? Like time will tell, but yeah. they're all going to contribute. 
to what is probably our deepest roster so far. So you say you say the deepest roster, but I would also say like you're just I'm just reading where they're from: San Diego, Eastvale, California, Valley Center, Shingle Springs, San Juan Capistrano. You said you know Orange County, and yeah. it's clear that the Austin College is getting on the map as far as places where. Um, athletes from all over the, and you have a, a good a contingent from Illinois. You have a kid from Virginia. Um, you're getting on the map in a, in a certain way, uh, where you have athletes who are now seeking out your program, as opposed to you having to really hustle and educate them about like what what's really going on here in Texas. Yeah, absolutely, and it, it's really exciting. So. Um, okay. Um, it's, it's, it's really exciting. So this upcoming class, like when we started the program, you know, you and I even talked about off the air five years ago, we're like, okay, let's do right by Texas and make sure we're Texas strong with our roster. And we were, and our guys loved it. But our guys also got to a point where they're like, Hey, we want teammates that are strangers too, you know, and at this point we're really just trying to develop the best, the, the best roster possible. But it, 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 it goes in waves, you know, it's like this current recruiting class that we're working on, there's seven or eight guys in Texas who we love that would make our program better. You know, last year we really targeted just just one. So, you know, it's going to go in waves with the yeah. Texas fit, but we really are trying to build a roster of the best possible fits personality-wise and character-wise first, you know? And if that means one year they're all from Texas or one year they're all from California, uh, then so be it. But uh, we kind of got away from trying to make it all like 50% of one area. And now we're just, we're really open. So. We're talking to kids from Connecticut to, you know, to, to San Diego and everything in the middle to Seattle. Uh, we're actually talking to, to kids uh, like, like international players now are starting to reach out to us um, who aren't looking for like a full uh, athletic scholarship, you know. So uh, we've done a great job of getting our brand kind of name out there. And I think every year, you know, whether we bring in future All-Americans or not, but I'm confident every year we're going to bring in great, re- great recruiting classes of great character um, so you got these five challenging games in at Brown, um, yeah. but then you follow like right afterward with the. Tell me if I'm wrong about this. The biggest NCAA water polo tournament in Texas history. It's what? maybe it's not even a tournament, but you're hosting four games. Absolutely, I think it's the biggest because you're gonna have big time names like Joe Tristan and, and Matt Anderson here. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> obviously teasing like two two of my good friends within the within the sport, but. <laughs> It's uh, no, we're real excited. So like, like looking at Brown first, um, the, I, you know me, I do this every year. Like in years past, we, we went to a place like Brown and like we looked to come home healthy and better um, and compete at the highest level possible. This year we're going out there and we'll, we'll see how things shake out because, you know, those teams are phenomenal. Um, we'll see how it shakes out, but we're going out there with a different expectation this year. So in years past, it was like, let's go out there and let's make sure we get better. Uh, let's make sure that we're, we're understanding and taking in uh, the information from each game and we're improving upon it. Um, and we still have that mentality. But this year, we also expect to compete. You know, we expect to be in a, in, in a position to win games. So last year, we, we lost to Brown by two in a game that went down to the, to the final moments. Um, last year, we lost to Air Force. I, I, I want to say it was two or three at Air Force, but it was a tied game halfway through the fourth. You know, similar game with like MIT last year. So this year, we're looking you know, to kind of take that next step. So um, hope, hopefully, you know, at some point as a program, we talked about this in the fall camp, you have to stop. Um, you have to stop looking at these games as like winnable and right. create an expectation to to 
to level up as a program and, and get to that level, you right. know? So that's our hope for uh, uh, this year. And we'll, and we, you know, and we'll see how it all, all shakes out. Um, we, we're not going to be, we're only going to be a shell this weekend of who we're going to be three months from now. So, uh, but, but it is also a, a means uh, it's like you, you're suggesting maybe your preseason training has been slightly different, not ne- necessarily putting the hammer down so much on conditioning, but this tournament is conditioning in its own way. Right. I mean, and, yeah. and, a, and a mental thing as well. Yeah. I told the guys we're coming, we're going, we're going to show up out of shape on Friday and come home in shape on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> No way around it, right? And we're playing five games, and we have a brutal schedule. And that won't be a, a reason why we never play well. But, uh, you know, we have the first game and the last game on Saturday with a game in the middle. Uh, the second game at Harvard on Sunday. Um, and then we play MIT. So the MIT game for us is huge because that works towards seeding for the for D3 Easterns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, they're always our fifth game. We're always their fourth game. Um, they're sleeping in their own beds and, you know, getting a good night's sleep while yeah. we're waking early and dry. you know it's, there's a lot of components to it so um but it's uh that's the, that's the game that we circle on, on the weekend that is the that's the biggest game for us and then con college as a division three rival you know will be a, a great game so they have a huge freshman class so you know we're not sure what to expect beyond the fact that they're going to be well coached so and those are both on ESPN, or is it just the te- the, the Brown and Harvard games? Uh, I believe tr- traditionally um, all of Austin College's games have been okay. on ESPN. Wonderful. So, so okay, so I dug down into like the details. I, I I guess yet that's all my task for today. Right. Information out to the uh, 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 recruits and stuff, but uh, in years past, all, um, all of Austin College games have have been on there. So. All right, then moving on, um, you're hosting four games be- beginning on the 16th, and uh, you were joking about coaches. Penn State Baron, Con College, yep. Augustan is coming to town, and uh, Nicola is coming to town with his Washington and Jefferson team. Yep. Um, this has been in something like this has been in the works for a while, I, I understand. Um, and I'm curious, you're having them all four on campus, is that correct? Yep, yeah. All, all four, all, all games over the weekend will be at Austin College. All right. Um, and then was there any uh, or are you looking for different venues or is this what the sort of campus is looking for? They want people coming to campus to play at your facility. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, think, it, I think it depends on what the, what the event's going to be, right, in the future. If we're going to host a giant invitational that's going to be a variety of uh, Division Three, Division One, yeah, maybe we'll look to use a, uh, an offsite in in Dallas. Um, but these, with the exception of college, these are all conference games. Yeah. So talk about conference games. We want those games on our campus. Um, we want to make sure um, our student body and our fan base, which for every single game has shown up, you know, uh, to the fullest. You know, standing room only, can't hear the whistle. Um, we are the the atmosphere at our home games is is unreal. Um, mainly, uh, partially because it's a small venue, right? So that yeah. adds to it. But it's just been unreal. So we want to create that environment for our conference games. And you know, this is the first year of the NPSF having a, a, a D three division. Um, this is one of the first weekends of D three games in the NPSF, and we're very we feel very fortunate that the NPSF and the coaches that we're in the conference with stepped up to give us home games this year. Um, you know, we don't see that on our women's side within conference. So that was wonderful to uh, see and see like the first weekend. So um, we're all these different components. We're really excited 
um, about that. And we want to make sure that it's on our campus in our pool. You know, our, our, our pool's not as bad as it looks. It's just old. <laughs> our size is good. Yeah. It's 25. So, um, uh, it's almost more of a, of a, cause uh, you know, junior Olympics just finished and the facilities in Dallas has become so good. It's not a, again, it's not a critique of your pool so much as yeah, like, go look at Garland. My goodness, you know, very, very uh, nice <laughs> right. facility. Um, uh, okay. Then, uh, you travel again. You travel to Riverside for Cal Baptist invite in October. You've got CWPA games up in Pennsylvania at the end of the month. You've got uh, almost like it seems almost random. Caltech and Laverne on the 4th and 5th yep. of November. Then yep. MPSF championships and um, in L.A. I don't know whether that's UCLA or USC or where that uh, is. USC. USC, nice pool. Um, uh, th this is all shaping up to be a year in which you should be competing for a Division Three Final Four spot, would you say? Yeah, we're hopeful. So we don't have our uh, – the MPSF um, won't have a D3 Final Four AQ until spring, until fall of 23. Mm -hmm. So next – so we're really building up for next year for that. So this year we have to qualify through D3 Eastern through the CWPA awkwardly still. But that's okay. Like that's a great event, and we'll get great games out of it. Whether it's MIT, Hopkins, WJ, whoever we play, uh, will be a fantastic weekend. So, um, but yeah, when we get to get to MPSF, like we're so excited because now it's the first year where there's going to be an MPSF Division Three champion. Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be a, an MPSF Division Three MVP in the first and like a like an all tournament all all conference team for Division Three, and for us that's so exciting. So like. You know, we're we've never once felt anything but welcomed and supported by the MPSF and the fellow programs there. And now what the conference has done to help grow Division three and support Division three is amazing. You know, we get treated as equals, not as uh, extras, I guess is the best way to put it. And, um, you know, not that we've, you know, not to get too deep into the weeds, but just looking at the MPSF side, they the, the, the level of support is fantastic. So now we have all these things and uh, we're really excited. So, you know, we're excited to be able to go to USC and play against one of the four Pac-12 schools and get better. But we're excited to compete for a championship this year and then kind of what that would create moving forward. And we're excited about the four, the uh, three other schools that we're doing it with. So, you know, all four schools are great academic schools. They all have great coaches who embody high level of uh, uh, character. I mean, you look at Nicola, he's one of the best coaches in the world. So it's um, who we're doing it with and who we're supported by and what we're trying to create um, as, you know, like a trampoline to, to jump into the future with is just, it's so exciting. So we're excited about it. Our athletes are excited about it, but we'll be eyeballing that D3 championship for sure. Absolutely. Well, um, both of us have to run, but uh, yep. oh, very much looking forward to seeing the results from this coming weekend and seeing your new performers and your old leaders. And uh, good luck on this coming season, Mark. Absolutely. And, you know, with this week, and I'm just saying to our, just, just let you know, our freshmen don't really know yet. So, like, they'll probably find out they hear this podcast. But, you know, I'm excited. But we're just, there's going to be a game. We're going to start seven freshmen just to throw them to the fire and see how. <laughs> so, when you and I talk about the recap, uh, don't judge us too harshly, you know, from an outsider's perspective. Oh, you're you're you're, trying, <laughs> you're already setting us up for success. All right, okay, got it. Okay, uh, that's Mark Lawrence, head coach at Austin awesome College. Thanks for your time. Thanks, thanks James. All right. All right. That was Mark Lawrence, head coach at Austin College, and uh, they're heading off to Brown any moment now. Um, and uh, that's it, Joe. 
Yeah, I just want to say hi to all the Alamo, like the Alamo area kids that have been listening. I think they just realized that I was on a podcast. Yeah. So, so I just want to say hi to all of them. And uh, was it? Um, we'll do this again next week. Well, I want to say hi to them too because they know who the real talent is on this show. So, all of you Alamo kids, when I'm refereeing your games, don't give me any guff because I'm the guy who you know I'm the star of this show, as we all know, right? Is that fair? Yes, you are, James. Oh, thanks. Joe sounds so convincing. All right, that's it. We're done. Um, uh, We will see you next week, but uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for telling a friend and uh, for supporting the program. And until next week, so long from Austin. This has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC.